Namaste. So the focus of today's uh, talk is ascent and integration. But then just to recapitulate and go through these chapters which come up as part two of book two. Uh, Shurabindu has already laid a background of uh, integration, of integrating the various uh, views, integration in our thought of God and world, of um, um, the divine as the static immobile purusha and the divine as the dynamic impulsion and creation uh, of man and the cosmos and that which transcends both. So he's already laid a background of all this. And there are certain images in our own uh, life where we can see this as a living reality. Perhaps that's why this universe has been created as a secret language to give us hints and symbols of this truth. It's the original book of nature, the scripture, the Vedas, uh, in the unwritten book of uh, material world also. So, um, for example, we spoke uh, last time about the divine and his Shakti as one because uh, in traditional thought it is believed that there is the soul trapped in ignorance. Ignorance is nature. Nature has created this ignorance and it has to come out and unite with the divine. So, where did this nature and its ignorance come from? So, in its origin, nature also owes its origin to the same divine consciousness and force. So, nature is ignorant at this level where it operates in the material world, but it is not in its origin and ignorance. So, and even here, even behind its most ignorant seeming activities, there is very clearly the evidence of a all consciousness, all knowing reality, all knowing force which is impelling it to act. That is very evident. And we can take an image, the images of the Himalayas, the Himalayan peaks and the, you know, the Gangotri glacier from which Ganges emerge. So, is the Ganges separate from the uh, Himalayas? <laughs> what will be the answer? The answer will be in its origin, no, they are one. Is the Ganges there in the Himalayas? Yes, she is there in the Himalayas. How is she there? She is there as a presence. She is immobile, one with the Himalayan summits, Gangotri glacier. And then when the Ganges flows down the plains, so something of the Himalaya also flows into it. In fact, it is Himalaya which flows into it. <laughs> we don't look at it like that. But again, there is a third status of being. There is the mobile and the immobile and beyond it, there is in this same story, taking this analogy, there is Shiva. Shiva is common to both the Himalaya and the Ganges. He sits on one of the peaks of the Himalayas, making it his abode. And the Ganges also he holds in his locks as his, you know, making it the abode of Ganges. So this is how we have to understand. Now, as Ganges flows down the plains... So it goes to different places, appears very different, becomes dirty. There are places where, you know, you... And it adds, many things are added to it as it goes. It takes um, dead bodies, it takes all the, you know, muck that we unfortunately throw into it. All kinds of people bathe and everything. It, it doesn't uh, have that, um, the pure water of the Gomu glacier. But then for that matter is, you know, tell somebody that where have you got this uh, Ganges water from? Sir, I have got it from Patna. Oh, this is useless. Try telling somebody. Because the Ganges and the Himalayas and the Shiva are still there in it. That's why it has this effect that you take it. You know, when Ganges water is brought, you don't ask, where is it from? 
It could be from Gomukh, from Gangotri, from Haridwar or even far down in Varanasi or anywhere. It is the same Ganges water though it has been modified as it comes down. It is conditioned. So if you actually examine it scientifically, you will see that the purity is not the same as it was in its origin. Fair enough. But it is still the same. So same thing with us that the divine who, who transcends this creation, taking this example of Shiva and holds both these aspects, the immobile and the mobile, the akshara and the shara, together is one. And when he flows into the creation, it's not just the Himalayas and the Ganges, but because Shiva has touched them. So even something of Shiva flows into it. And that's why it can give moksha. And all the gods flow into it or are added into the stream. And whatever, even in the farthest most, the so-called impurest activities, even what we call a sin, and degradation of consciousness, even there in that utter darkness, something of the divine presence is there. And it's a very powerful, uh, um, I won't use the word philosophy, but revelation, because this is what gives hope. Otherwise you cut off that, no, no, you have to go only to Shiva and then uh, you have to reach to the inaccessible Himalayan summits, climb Mount Kailash or get dropped there somehow and then only you can be redeemed. Just imagine, it's like saying it's an impossible so it's not impossible because he is there in this creation. And there are links which we can catch hold and streams through which we can go upstream. So this is one aspect uh, which we have to understand. The same thing applies to another very interesting, beautiful analogy of the sun and the earth. So earth, where is its birth from? Now we can say it is separate from the sun. But actually it is born from the sun. This is, I mean, geographical fact. It's, it's a physical fact. Uh, it was spinning at great speed and throughout all the planets. So earth. And at its core of the earth, the temperature is almost the same as the surface of the sun. So that's another very fascinating thing. And that's why diamonds are formed right deep below. Where you can have the top of that tremendous energy of the sun, which is still there. Um, not just latent, but something which is warming up the earth from below. Otherwise, you know, life will be impossible. So, the, so that way you can say earth is a part of the sun, still connected with it through a kind of subtle umbilical cord. And everything on earth is the creation of the sun. And the rays of the sun which reach here and give life, they are not separate from the sun. They are the power of the sun. Without the sun, they have no existence. And without the rays, the sun cannot manifest. So this is the eternal truth and while the rays come here, they get mixed and they get, you know, um, mixed with the soil, they enter the darkest holes, yet they are the same rays of the sun. So this, these are ways with which we can understand. So too in every creature, there is the creator who resides within him, not only as a witness, impartial witness, but as a dynamic impulsion. So now Shurabindra is going to reveal to us what is this dynamic impulsion? of the divine Shakti in creation and what is happening out here and how we can participate in it and all. So, but first he reveals to us about reality and the integral knowledge. So, what is reality? Scientists will tell us uh, that, well, reality is this material universe. There can be nothing more foolish than that, very frankly, because it means the evidence of my senses is the only evidence, which is obviously, you know, even science will tell us it's not enough. Uh, and secondly, it is foolish because it assumes, just like people say you assume there is God, you are assuming that material reality is the sole reality. Again, it's not only a foolish assumption, but it has been proved that matter is itself a non-existent thing. It's a formation of energy. So this idea that what I see, touch, smell is real and evidence is actually nothing but uh, getting trapped in a prison 
for uh, either want of courage it requires great intellectual courage and determination to go beyond it this is a great comfort zone to believe matter is the sole reality because then you have to strive for nothing so this is one way to understand reality which is obviously uh, makes no sense the other way of understanding reality is that no there is nature and the cosmos and this cosmos you try to understand all the forces that are working and there is no need to bring in god so there are theories of existence which only talk about there is nothing but nature and in nature you talk about many things you can talk even about gods and goddesses it's nature ultimately you can make it behind the play of physical matter there are physical forces there are psychological forces there are occult forces and we talk about nature in all its totality not just material nature and that is one way to perceive reality but then it remains incomplete because where does all this come from so one goes to the next level which is the absolute so uh, again in the absolute we may say oh that is the absolute and so cosmos and individual and all this is nothing to do with him because he is absolute again this remains incomplete so this uh, there are different ways that man has perceived reality and even in that uh, we may take up often people say that if god is one why do different people experience him differently well the logic is very simple because he is one as well as infinite uh, so he can put forth any aspect of his based on the approach we take to somebody who pursues with this idea that divine or god or whatever it is is in you know nothingness so at the end you will meet nothingness he will reveal himself as nothingness confirming your premise or if one goes approaching him as you know a mighty absolute which is impersonal vast immobile purusha he will be there mute immobile ineffable silence no prayer will he will answer because he is silence we have started with this idea that he is silence so he meets you with a silence on his lips if lips there are or if we take this approach that he is the master of all works then he will be there with us in every activity everywhere helping and supporting us or if we take it that he is the master of man and is infinite lover he is close to our hearts and we vision to see so he will reveal himself at every step holding our hands um caressing us uh, healing us giving us joyous company uh, waiting for us like uh, you know the bestest of friends so a lot depends on how we approach this reality which is one and yet infinite or he can be beyond all these and he can be also including all these so every kind of possibility is there he can even give a entirely new way he can express himself i mean we can't limit him to one particular way of manifesting himself this one second we uh, we may take god as manifestation whatever is in the manifestation but then where do things come in the manifestation either they are somewhere beyond the manifestation or they are somewhere hidden in creation so we have that unmanifest aspect of the divine unmanifest and manifest and the fourth important thing is that is reality only an objective thing or subjective thing now here again we see that the material scientist uh, Uh, blunders he wants to see an evidence of god so um, and by god he means by the test tube you show me with my naked eyes uh, god can't, you can't even see a virus with the naked eyes uh, or an electron but that apart but the point is that even if you could see a virus or electron is that the only dimension of experience what about peace can i see peace no i can't see peace does peace exist can i see anger no maybe if it is too much you may find some evidence in my body of anger but it doesn't mean anger doesn't exist can i see love can i measure it well 
it will be an absurdity to to say somebody in you know in love that you know you must measure the brain serotonin levels so reality is at once objective and subjective so actually if we see the objective universe is the last stop where the entire the subjective and the subtlest has become objective why and how it has happened the subject has become the object at its bottom it is subjective so if you start resolving it at the end point it'll turn into consciousness which is its own subject so so actually there is a, another line of approach to reality which opens within which is to follow the trail of our subjective being in that love comes knowledge comes will comes they are all subjective realities which have a deep impact upon our outer objective life so subjective and objective are two ways of again looking at one thing in the divine they are resolved he is the supreme subject he is also the supreme object and what is this universe nothing else but he has objectivized himself to himself but in his origin can we treat him like an object that i can hold and acquire no if somebody says he has possessed the divine that would be incorrect what is more true is that the divine has possessed one and therefore one can experience something of that grace and glory and divinity so that's how shubindu takes us to through all these uh, things and at the end he says so the knowledge that Uh, he would want us to have is the integral knowledge integral knowledge means not just the knowledge of the absolute brahman say you know what is this world it is nothing but pancha tattva and uh, ego mano buddha ahankara uh, nothing else it's only consciousness pure and supreme now this is not integral knowledge because it leaves the world ex- unexplained whether you call it illusion or partly real they are all different ways of but it doesn't explain it so we have to understand the entire how the anime unmanifest becomes manifested step by step right up to the inconscious so that's where he brings in the idea of involution and all the play of forces at the higher subtlest level over mind the god sumi brings out the four great powers from himself and each of them sends more and more emanations and therefore the mental worlds were the vidya mein the knowledge tends to become ignorance he himself is beyond ignorance knowledge and uses both so vidya mein maya he transcends it so uh, even though he is one with it in creation so then you have uh, the worlds of ignorance so the worlds of mind with an intermediate range in between then the worlds of mind then the vital then physical matter and eventually he completely loses himself apparently in inconscience so this entire play has to be understood in shobindo's yoga one has to understand the play of forces without which one cannot talk about transformation of earthly life how can we transform something which we don't even understand that's why in this yoga it's not just about sit in meditation and have a beautiful experience one has to understand that that's why one of the first practices the mother gave was that become conscious conscious of all the forces that move you and it's so amazing that over period of time one realizes that our first understanding of what is moving us was so defective and if there is the will to understand and grow luminous and clear layer by layer and then you also see how the mixture is there all these things at once there is the ganga jal behind everything and there is also the mud and the muck so 
this has to be reckoned with in any proper understanding of creation and the creator together. So that is what is integral knowledge which takes account of all this. Then Shravinda brings in what this integral knowledge and the aim of life, four theories of existence. So now we have this integral reality, one as extra cosmic, the transcendental, he calls it here as extra cosmic, beyond the cosmos, absolute Brahman. Then you have the cosmic supraterrestrial. So, in cos- cosmic where it includes everything, but there, there again you have two subsets. One is that there is this material world, but there are also otherworldly realities, forces and beings which are of, you know, belonging to subtle physical, uh, vital worlds, mental worlds, all these are there as supraterrestrial, other um, domains of existence. And then there is the terrestrial where you we think that matter and material universe is the sole reality. Now, according to them, there are four particular aims. And then there is the integral. So, there are four theories. Integral unites all of them. So, there is the integral knowledge. So, these are the four theories of existence. One is that there is God above and all else is illusion. So, the aim would be to go and merge with with that extra cosmic. Second is that he is a cosmic movement in space and time. So, the aim would be to try to understand, to reach out to the last bounds of knowledge. And if there is a even, you know, extra cosmic worlds or, or rather cosmic, the worlds beyond terrestrial, terrestrial by that is meant is material universe, beyond it. So maybe try and find some way and means to access them, to gain their energies, to dwell in these worlds. This would become the logical aim to the highest possible supra-terrestrial world. And if... There is only the terrestrial existence as physical scientists and material science would say. Then the logical thing would be eat, drink and be merry. Take lot of debt. Don't pay it because there is no other world. There is no karmic law. There is no debt. <laughs> that is a charvak siddhant. So the, it, your way of life will depend on that. Of course people even with a purely materialistic theory say no, no, no. Because we are coexisting. Uh, we must try to make life better. But what is the basis? You have pulled the carpet from below the feet. And now you want human beings to be good. Good for what? For nothing? Because there is nothingness? So it's an absurdity in its own right. Because if you say there is only material reality and only body is all, then whatever one may try to momentarily uplift oneself with good ideas, it won't sustain because it doesn't have a philosophical basis. So accordingly, there are these four aims. And Shurabindu says um, that it was this thought Human, uh, Indian thought had tried to synthesize them together. So what were the four aims Indian thought had put forward? Dharma, Chi, Kame, Chi. <laughs> so you have Arth, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Or you can put it like Artha, Kama, Dharma, Moksha. So what is uh, Arth and Kama? It is terrestrial existence. You must uh, engage with it. Find it's, uh, you know, what you can still accumulate. So it takes into account, this is a reality. So you can't ignore it. So um, live life, uh, not king size, but its own size, whatever size you are meant to be. And uh, enjoy, gather your own, but on the basis of remember that there are higher worlds, extra um, terrestrial, not extraterrestrial like ET, but supra-terrestrial worlds. So take them into account. So it should be on the basis of dharma. So, you have the Artha, Kama. First, there is a basis which is laid out for you. 
ड्यूरिंग एजुकेशन देन यू हैव अर्थ एंड कामा देन यू हैव धर्मा सो ड्यूरिंग दैट टाइम एंड अकॉर्डिंगली देव द फोर आश्रमास सो वेन यू हैव दी धर्मा देन द रिलीजियस एंड एथिकल लाइफ विच यू बिगिन टू इंक्रीज इन योर लाइफ बिकॉज दैट बिकम्स ए प्रिपरेशन एंड देन फाइनल इट इज मोक्षा लॉन्च इन टू द एब्सोल्यूट नाउ द फैक्ट इज दैट मोस्ट पीपल कैनॉट कंप्लीट इट दिस साइकिल इफ एट ऑल एंड वाइल द सिस्टम वॉज रोबस्ट वैन इट परसिस्टेड बट इट स्टिल डिवाइड्स एन इंटेग्रल मूवमेंट ऑफ लाइफ धर्मा एंड गॉड आर रिक्वायर्ड एवरीवे राइट फ्रॉम चाइल्डहुड सो इन इंडिया देर वॉज अगेन दिस पैरल मूवमेंट ऑफ सींग दैट रियालिटी इन एवरीथिंग सो बर्थ वॉज सीक्रेट एवरीथिंग वॉज सीक्रेट डांसिंग केम फ्रॉम शिवा म्यूजिक केम फ्रॉम शिवा समथिंग बट ऑल्सो देवे पीपल वॉन्टेड लिटल मोर सॉफ्ट लवली म्यूजिक एंड ब्यूटिफुल डांसिंग सो कृष्णा ऑल्सो इज देयर सो इफ यू वॉन्ट अ तांडवन शिवा इज देयर विथ इज डमरू Uh, and if you want a little melodious music with gentler dancing so you have krishna with his flute so everything eventually owed its origin to some supra terrestrial state so the aim of life accordingly varied but in shubindra's thought that's why he says what is the aim the aim is that we take this view as shubindra puts it that this reality which is above is here also and in every aspect of creation so and what is it doing it is emerging itself step by step through an evolutionary process so what is the aim now the aim is that to assess this emergence so not like this is a preparation for that that is a preparation for that and finally the last aim is absolute it sounds very logical because you make the material world a preparation for the supra terrestrial make the supra terrestrial world a preparation for the absolute but in shrubindra yoga it is one real the absolute is here also shiva flows in the ganges that's why she is mokshadaini that's why she can uplift human consciousness because himalaya is also there in it so in every movement every activity there is the absolute and with his dynamic impulsion so in shrubindra's view the aim of existence is to manifest the divine the divine who is secret in nature in creation has to be manifest and there is a whole process through it so this process of manifestation is called evolution and uh, this evolution has two sides one is the material side and other is the inner side he'll speak about it subsequently and then the progress to knowledge how does it begin all of us start with trying to understand figure out who we are and what is this world so there is man and there is nature and depending upon the way we evolve and in our consciousness state of consciousness we have an understanding of what man is and what nature is god comes later so initially it is uh, who am i i am son of my father this is the standard uh, uh, whatever identification then you grow a little wider so you say no no i am not only son of my father i belong to this state or this country or this you know as you grow wider so there are two kinds of levels at which we understand ourselves at its highest we say we are uh, a human being but this doesn't give us the full answer when mother was asked mother who am i she said divine in disguise divine under many disguises this is another way of looking at the same thing what is man but this we discover much later soham asmi tattvam asi that we are divine wearing disguise we are sachidananda but just saying i am sachidananda doesn't help it's a intellectual conception this must be turned into a real experience what is the real experience that i am sachidananda but under layers 
It just saying I am Sachidananda, uh, that is not enough. It can even lead to a kind of uh, uh, false delusional state also. Uh, so there is, uh, it's important to understand this progress. So as man progresses in his self-vision, so also he begins to understand nature. Nature which is a mechanical unconscious process. As he progresses, he begins to become aware that there is a spirit in nature which moves. Not only in the material universe. They, that's why in Indian civilization you had rivers were worshipped and uh, sun was worshipped, Chhatmaya, and then you have this Ganga Arati, you have Yamuna Arati, you have even the unseen river Saraswati. She is also, you know, taken into cognizance. Kaveri, Kaveri is called as, you know, Ganga of the southern region. And you actually have a place where you go and you see. And it's like this is where the Ganga of the south is the same water, like Ganga. It's very interesting. And uh, people go and take a dip. It's, it's very fascinating that how in India, Narmada, she is worshipped. People do Narmada, Yatra, Parikrama. Uh, so all these uh, rivers, the mountains, behind them you begin to sense a secret spirit. Uh, each summit peaks have their own deities, uh, Grama Devata. And then finally you go still further and nature begins to unfold itself as a conscious front of God. It is the gungat uh, he is wearing. So as we start unveiling the... He is nothing else. Nature is nothing else but the golden bride. And she has hidden herself in this. Lest the eyes of the world get blinded and humanity burns off by her contact. That's why you see there is a beautiful poem of Shurabindo, Bride of the Fire. So the condition to see the face of the golden bride, you see in India there is this custom, no? Mudikai. It's symbolic. A very beautiful maiden is inside, the Ghungat. And finally you do the Mudikai and you are supposed to give something. So what does this bride of Brahman, the golden bride, what do you have to give to her before she can unveil the Ghungat? So there is this poem of Sri the Bride of Fire. And it starts like that. Bride of the fire, clasp me now close, bride of the fire. I have shed the bloom of the earthly rose. I have slain desire. So you have to say, I have slain desire. Now maybe, plant only thy kiss. That's what I want to feel upon my lips. Your kiss. Now, but there is the process. So this way, and then when we go, we realize that there is conception of God also starts with only worship of material things because uh, people thought that uh, Primitive societies worshipped clouds because they didn't understand its nature. They worshipped rain because they were afraid of it. No. Uh, and even if you take it that this was the process starting, it doesn't mean God doesn't exist. It means that as per our development, divine reveals himself in his own way. But as man exceeds, grows through, he discovers that there is nothing else but the one and the infinite. Nothing else but he. So this is what he reveals. And finally, comes this evolutionary process, ascent and integration. But that is the goal he has put forward. So what really is this ascent and integration? 
so the premises premise which we can see as evidence upon earth so that uh, because if there is nothing in matter only nothing can emerge out of nothing this first respect if uh, it is just a material energy then there is no reason why life and mind and a greater seeking should emerge so the premise is that the absolute consciousness the divine consciousness uh, as i said absolute has to be used in two sense one is the absolute absolute even he is there but that's one way to understand but the absolute who is absolute with reference to the relative he is flown into it and he is there immanent in creation zarre zarre mein bhagwan ka noor hai every particle of dust carries the full divine within him पूर्णमिदं पूर्णमदं पूर्णात् पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाया पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते विद ऑल इज फुलनेस नाउ दिस डिवाइन हु इज विद इन इज इमर्जिंग एंड दिस इन्वॉल्यूशन हैज टेकन प्लेस थ्रू स्टेप्स इट वाज नॉट लाइक सडनली देर वाज अ बंजी जंपिंग एंड द ऑल कॉन्शियसनेस बिकेम मीन कॉन्शियंट इज ऑल वाइज सो ई न्यू वाइल ई वॉज मूविंग और शी वॉज मूविंग शी वॉज लिविंग ट्रेल्स फॉर द रिकवरी see when mata sita is going no with ravana to the inconscient kingdom she is the all knowing but there is a reason why she is going as if she is helpless as if she is forgotten all knowledge she has become abhidhyamayi but while she is going she knows that i have she is going so that rama can come all the way and she can return so what she does she leaves a jhumka somewhere she leaves something else somewhere so based on that trail rama is tracing her so the divine shakti the bride of brahman as she comes step by step there is a point of time when she turns into avidyamayi is described in savitri once she half looked and saw the passage close she is coming from the sun and then she went forward to her faithful work so she created these worlds of mental world the world of the great gods and these gods accompanied her okay we will come with you after the consciousness had plunged into inconscience then she created worlds of the vital then she created worlds of matter and then further down into the inconscient and then the recovery process starts now this recovery is very interesting how evolution takes place a very very fascinating story so we suddenly read in biology there was fish and out of the fish the tadpole appeared and out of the tadpole and the snake and the dinosaur suddenly they started to fly well sounds very fascinating but it's believed you know you don't know the missing links people have tried what are the missing links so the process is like this in matter everything is there so the first emergence is of life but it is not like okay life emerged and everything became uh, happy when life emerges it is still chained to matter why because matter matter says you have to take me i am the foundation you can't break free from me and create a ethereal form no that's not allowed so it has to modify matter first work under the conditions of matter life can grow expand anything but when it labors under the conditions of matter it has to there is a tussle and in this tussle finally life will be victorious to the extent that matter can be modified but eventually it is victorious and that matter which is stuck to the ground begins to crawl and run and fly this life does and there again we see that from each stage to the other from the plant to the animal world there will be a leap but in this leap we see that the next step takes into itself the previous step 
So all the single cell organisms exist in the animals, exist in man. <laughs> Only they have got modified. That's all that has happened. Even they are used in human beings, for instance, there are healthy gut bacteria. But that apart, that's a different story. But every little single cell which, was, which laid the basis of life, that is taken up. The um, RNA, that is taken up, right up to human life. The same building block, but look the modification it has undergone. So this is how one has to understand. So each level of ascent... Is not like just life emerge and everything was fine. People ask this question. Oh, super mind has come. Everything will be hunky-dory. Process is the same. When mind emerged. So when mind emerged, again there was the same tussle. Mind was, you see some rudiment of the mind in the animal. So you will see some rudiment in the previous species. And then it emerged fully in man but created a completely new being. And one thing which, um, of course... Uh, uh, here Shubhinder doesn't give that example but which I find a very fascinating example is this process of evolutionary emergence. See what is the last capacity that has emerged in the entire range of evolution. Man yes but what is the highest in man is speech. That's why you will see that in Kena Upanishad the description is yat vaga bhyudhate that which the speech cannot reach but that from which speech has come. Then comes, you know, all these. Because speech, the origin of creation is the first stir, Nad Brahma. So there is a vibration which has gone into matter. And you can actually uh, pick up those vibrations. If, you know, Red Indians could hear below uh, in the earth, that vibration is trying to emerge in the uh, storm, in the sea, uh, through the whisper of the winds, through the flowers. It's the same Nad trying to emerge. And something of those notes are carried in it. And then as it emerges, it um, comes out of material creation into plant life. And in plant life, the tree is ever heard when the wind passes through it and the trees, you know, shake like this. What is it? They are not only movement, there is an effort to make some sounds. And then... Out of that emerges animal life where these sounds become actual sounds. The capacity of sound comes later on. It's, um, you can see it in, in snakes, it begins to appear. Dolphins speak, but dolphins are not fishes. Whales also can have some kind of song. But below that there is no sound. There is communication, but no sound. Reptiles, you will see that frogs can, that story of the mother... Frog comes and listens to her when she is playing the piano. Then um, you see that uh, snake, cobra can hiss. Some kind of a sound which begins to emerge. The birds, you see the chirping starts. Little more. Then with animals, the lion roars, the bees hum. Uh, of course, bees are uh, another species. The dolphins make sing, actually they sing. Uh, so we will see a number of sounds which begin to uh, emerge monkeys chatter important to remember so <laughs> elephants trumpet so they are beginning to sounds are emerging and in human voice words thought begins to express and this word and thought capacity in human beings can lead us to the highest through the mantra so Shivinda speaks of mantra as the highest possibility of human speech now you see 
it is the same nath brahman which has gone into creation and manifest itself through a process of emergence in human beings it's a different matter how we use our speech that's a different thing altogether we misuse in and at the beginning evolutionary powers are misused but a time comes when this speech becomes a means of ascension so when shrivindra says i use savitri as a means of ascension that's what it means so we can see clearly that there is the involution and then step by step emergence but each emergence is a challenge it has to modify the medium in which it is emerging and it has to not only modify but itself get modified accordingly so mind in its own plane is a king you see the gods of the mind can do things but mind here can also do things but not so easily it has to exert a lot of pressure free the mentality from the clutch of physical matter so same process the next is the spiritual emergence and another sign is that before emergence we'll see glimpses so in the animal world you see glimpses of mind here and there curiosity in apes becomes in human beings seeking questioning all these things the persevering intelligence of a crow begins here takes here and in the form the scientist who keeps on probing things and um, all this uh, we can see that there is the mind which is involved in cats and dogs very humanized kind of uh, intelligence so which you see uh, fully in animals we see largely the vital mind they are very emotionally attached because dogs and even cats because they don't have the rational mind and analytical mind to tell them no 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 he is not worth getting attached to dogs just immediately take you as as a family and get attached to you and very faithful because the vital mind is emerging but when man comes he takes up all these things he takes up the emotion of a dog but he changes into poetry music bhakti songs so it changes that on basis of which it emerges so all this happens in ascent along with the ascent of consciousness there has to be integration otherwise we'll get disconnected there'll be no evolution so that's why it's a slow process so in human beings we can see glimpses of a higher spiritual consciousness we see saints seers sages vedic rishis what were these promises they are not the consummation not the last word of creation but they are promises and glimpses that even while in body one can experience a greater reality but now what is going to happen is it's the they were individual promises maybe in a few groups now all these aspects and visions of god and something beyond that human beings had embodied in religious and spiritual scriptures will be taken up and assimilated on the basis of matter there will be a new being a new race of spiritual and supramental beings what will be the difference so these glimpses by the past years and sages was a strenuous effort not a natural thing but once matter itself accepts it gets modified then it will be very natural there is a big difference so when children will be born if the parents say you know hamara khandan they will say what mama papa what dated outdated you are or if they say no 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 we have to go to that hospital for surgery what mama you can heal from inside or if you say that you know so and so has died they'll say what mama 
Why are you feeling remorse? There is no death. Because these children are going to, from birth, carry something of this greater consciousness. So it's a big difference. The way they will, the urge for unity, they will be spontaneously there in them. You don't have to teach them dharma. The dharma is, will evolve from inside. And this is Sri final and radical solution. This spiritual evolution which has been trying to struggle, that we must give its full scope. And the full scope is embodied, spiritual and eventually supramental being. That means a free play of intuition. And if intuition becomes rapidly active in human beings, uh, embodied human beings, freely active, just imagine what it means. Like in animals, they are led by instincts and so sure an instinct doesn't err in an animal. Human beings have to rely on indirect uh, separative knowledge through mind. Instinct in an animal is intuition which is in the subconscious realm. I imagine when human beings are guided by intuition, when they meet someone and they say, Namaste, they know each other. They don't have to explain, you know, you know me, Achha, what is your degree? Or, See how much we are fooled by all this? Oh, how much you are earning? Okay, maybe you will be my good partner. They won't do all that. Because they will know, here is the person. When Nalnida was asked, Nalnida was once... Shobindo, uh, he saw something and he said, Nalinda used to go to the village, his hometown, time to time. So once Shobindo told him, Nalini, go get married and come back. Very few people know that Nalinda was actually married. So he is among those few disciples of the earlier times. See, that way, if you see, Champaklalji was not married, Pavitrada was not married. Pranabda was not married. Amrita was not married. But Nalida was married. And Shurabinda had told him, go get married and come back. So he got married, came back. Every year he would go. He would have a child. And till one final day when he asked the mother permission to go, mother said one last time. That's it. Now, somebody asked Nalida that, how did you get married? How did he say? Shurabinda said, go and get married. So how did you choose the girl? He said, nothing. I saw and I knew. Intuition. Indulekadi, she was moon goddess. She came here later on. And all the four children eventually came here. So this is a, when intuition begins to operate, just imagine what a world. And intuition is only a mid-term. Imagine when there is a fullness of supramental knowledge in embodied beings, how much it will modify matter. Matter has become now capable of thinking. Stone cannot think, but stone absorbed through plant life into human body ends up in the brain and can think. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? So imagine when matter becomes divinized. Can there be any illness? No. The moment it comes near, because matter itself is conscious and divine. Right now it is invaded, poor house, we don't know. Mind tries to direct, but mind doesn't understand. Senses cannot catch. So automatically it will repel or automatically it will transmute it. And it's no more fantastic because as we have seen, Shubindu logically explains to us the trail. So let me just <laughs> um, read some passages quickly. There is an integral self-knowledge that we have to recover and because the world self also is our self, an integral world knowledge. 
A knowledge that can be learned or constructed by the mind exists and has its value. But that is not what is meant when we speak of the knowledge and the ignorance. This movement of evolution, of a progressive self-manifestation of the spirit in a material universe, has to make its account at every step with the fact of the involution of consciousness and force in the form and activity of material substance. It can't discard it. So every activity of human nature, we may think it is good, bad, whatever, this force will enter and modify it. Certain things have to be thrown out. Anger, for example, fear. They have no place in the new creation. But there are certain activities of human nature which will be taken up and transformed, however hard it may seem. So, for it proceeds by an awakening of the involved subconscious, supermind is hidden in atom, eventually uh, through the mind it will be, become more and more active, and force, and its ascent from principle to principle, from great to great, from power to power of the secret spirit. But this is not a free transference to a higher status. Oh, supermind is descended, now 50 years we all should be supramental being. There is a great battle going on between supermind and the material existence and even the mental man. That the supermind is going to win not only by the past history of evolution, but also by the fact that it is the radical leap, the four higher principle, is a foregone conclusion. But the mind is going to give a tough fight. It doesn't allow. It is the elder brother. It's like when a uh, you know new person comes to your home. It takes time to adapt, to adjust. So, this is the process which will happen. The law of action, the force of action of each grade or power in its emergence is determined. Not by its own free, full and pure law of nature or whim of energy. But partly by the material organization provided for it. So if the body is not strong enough, it is going. That's why the mother started this playground activities and all. The excuse was apparently the children coming, but then all the elders got ex uh, included because she wanted human beings materially to be ready to receive this energy, this force which she was bringing. And that's why we see that, you know, uh, even then when the descent took place, the manifestation, uh, how little could human beings bear. So... Or whim, but partly by the material organization, um, by its own status, achieved degree, accomplished fiat of consciousness, which it has been able to impose upon matter. Its effectivity is in some sort made up of a balance between the actual extent of this evolutionary emergence and the countervailing extent to which the emergent power is still enveloped. So there will be a state when this is trying to emerge and the mind, life and body, the previous grades are not letting it. And so there will be a seemingly uh, conflict and battle. But it must be observed. That makes it even more complicated. It's not like you sit in meditation and you feel some nice vision, glorious. Nothing wrong with that. But oh, I had lovely experience. That vision is a promise when that enters into the mind, heart, lower vital, physical, every activity that it can take up, it will take up. And transmute. But it must be observed that this ascent, this successive fixing in higher and higher principles, does not carry with it the abandonment of the lower grades. We have been doing that till now by kind of um, 
illusory satvik illusion that well you have to abandon this field he's saying no that's not the path for us at least but what he'll do is any more than a status of existence in the lower grades means the entire absence of the higher principles even in the lowest the highest is hidden so when it emerges it'll take up the lowest of these things and change it just like human existence has changed in animals they have children they have progeny how do they treat of course they are very kind there is protective impulses there but in human being something else enters so human beings dream bring things to the child make him you know very conscious and deliberate process is there not just equip him to eat not like okay animals okay many of us do like that have a degree and build a home and uh, have more children that's a very animal way of looking at it but human beings want their children to progress they want them to grow conscious be educated in the truest sense so the same child birth process is taken up and changed and transmuted this heals the objection against the evolutionary theory created by the sharp lines of difference for if the rudiments of the higher are present in the lower creation and the lower characters are taken up by the into the higher evolved being that of itself constitutes an indubitable evolutionary process we see this happening throughout the evolutionary history and then there are transitional lines which get vanished for instance between ape and man there are nine evolutionary subhuman or prehuman or animal human vanara which have existed and they have vanished but uh, they created and there is a reason why they vanish because then there is no risk of falling back so they see how wisely the shakti works there will be intermediate species through which consciousness will climb 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 then reach a point then lot will just suddenly disappear why because then you can't fall back so it uses it like a scaffolding to make a building and then takes it away so it's tremendous this wisdom the spiritual man is a supreme supernormal effort of human creation for having evolved the mental creator thinker sage prophet of an ideal the self controlled self disciplined harmonized mental being she has tried to go higher and deeper within and call out into the front the soul and inner mind and heart call down from above the forces of the spiritual mind and higher mind and over mind and create under their light and by their influence the spiritual sage seer prophet god lover yogin gnostic self sufi mystic so it has you know tried to bring out all these possibility of the spiritual man from out of uh, the sleep of matter and what it is going to do is um, still greater that's why it one letter should be to say the purpose of his yoga is not to create saints and sanyasis or mystics of that kind not even to create superman the way we understand a grandized man it's a completely new thing transformation is not about an ethical uh, man or a saint so brilliant shell it's not you you won't find saints in uh, in the ashram okay don't look for one okay <laughs> there are yogins which is a different you know the gitas yogi there are god lovers there are god servants there are knowers but not saintly ethical people 
That's a stage, needed stage. But you climb further into a greater freedom of the spirit. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me not elaborate. But this is how. But even this is not the last stop. The spiritual man is the sign of this new evolution. This new and higher endeavor of nature. But this evolution differs from the past process of the evolutionary energy in two respects. It is conducted by conscious effort of the human mind. It's a conscious evolution. And it is not confined to a conscious progression of the surface nature, which you see in animals. Largely the sense mind, sense mind, the surface vital. But is accompanied by an attempt to break the walls of the ignorance and extend ourselves inward into the secret principle of our present being and outward into cosmic being as well as upward towards a higher principle. This is there in man. We are bitten by the incorrigible urge to explore, to know, to go beyond the boundaries, to sound the boundaries. It is there within. It is the sign of humanity. If somebody is satisfied with some theories and systems and beliefs, humanity in the truest sense has not begun. It begins when you want to explore, want to know by direct um, experience and identity. So the spiritual change begins by an influence of the inner being and the higher spiritual mind. But the human race is still weighted by a certain gravitation toward the physical. It obeys still the pull of our yet unconquered earth nature. It is dominated by the brain mind, the physical intelligence. Thus held back by many ties, it hesitates before the indication or falls back before the too tense demand of the spiritual effort. It has too still a great capacity for sceptical folly, an immense indolence, an enormous intellectual and spiritual timidity and conservatism when called out of the grooves of habit. Even the constant evidence of life itself that where it chooses to conquer, it can conquer. Witness the miracles of that quite inferior power. Physical science does not prevent it from doubting. It repels the new call and leaves the response to a few individuals. So, how much ever you may say that, you know, during Corona, see what Mother and Shirobinda have written, all that is okay. You have to go by what science is telling you. Too much of the skeptic is still there. Whereas science itself will show you how miracles can be done, even by the power of faith, we have placebo effect. But it still doubts in spite of all this and is not ready to take the leap. That's why the mother says, blessed are those who take a leap toward the future. But that is not enough, few individuals. If the step forward is to be for humanity, for it is only if the race advances that for it the victories of the spirit can be secure. For then, even if there is a lapse of nature, a fall in our effort, the spirit within, employing a secret memory, sometimes represented on the lower side, that of gravitation, downward gravitation, as an atavistic force in the race, but really the force of a persistent memory of nature, which can pull us either upward or downward, with call it upward again. Meaning thereby there should be a certain number of individuals. That's why that's what the mother said. This is a, science is, this is a tipping point. It's not enough that few individuals uh, just awaken. And uh, that's why she said that the effort has to be double, individual as well as collective. Because it's not like an isolated yoga that few individuals are doing. At least there has to be a reasonable number which is ready to, willing to give everything, put all the eggs in the one basket of spiritual evolution 
so that they, they can hatch into the spiritual and supramental being. But normally we put one egg in the supramental basket, another in uh, so-and-so uh, yogi sitting somewhere, third in that intellectual thinker, fourth in, you know, my mama and papa. So ultimately, you see what happens is, we get a mixed breed. So somebody, has, that's why mother spoke of entire self-giving. It is not indeed necessary or possible that the whole race should transform itself from mental into spiritual beings. But a general admission of the ideal, a widespread endeavor, a conscious concentration are needed to carry the stream of tendency to its definitive achievement. So this is the great goal before us and wonderful journey open to us by the grace and tapasya of the mother and Shurabindo. Namaste. Uh, namaste, Alokda. My Okay, my question is on habits. Do the habits reside in the physical uh, part of the being the matter? Physical matter and then what is the role of the vital and the mental in the continuity of habits? So largely, while habits may start anywhere in the physical or vital uh, even there are habits of thinking which are mental, but their roots lie in the subconscious. That's why they are so difficult to get rid of. Because subconscious is their secret support and unless the subconscious becomes conscious. Uh, I can give an example that, you know, in any habit, let's say, habit of smoking. So, uh, there is a habit which is purely physical. People start it. And then even when they know consciously that it is harmful, it, has, it gives nothing, it is um, damaging their lungs, it's dangerous, nobody likes them smoke, yet it continues. Because the mind itself cannot uh, remove it, the roots have gone physical. So there is a physical craving inside it. Then there is a vital aspect of it. If you observe, you know, why did it start? There are people who start it thinking that, you know, it gives them a very different, uh, uh, you know, air which fortunately nowadays it's gone, but there was a time when to have a cigarette in hand was a sign of, uh, you know, that you are some macho man or whatever it is. So this was another aspect of it. So then there was also a very, the way our mind was caught by the way the advertisement industry worked. So essentially, if we look at it, there are many factors, but the root are in the subconscious. And subconscious is a great hold on the physical body. And that's why it is so difficult to get rid of... Um, even the simplest of habits, as I said, like smoking, unless there is an intervention from above which illumines the subconscious in a flash and throws it out. So I can give you an example of, for instance, in alcoholism, people have tried various things and means. But eventually, see why Alcoholic Anonymous works, it actually works. Uh, not that it is a foolproof thing, but you know, to an extent it works. Because it suddenly opens you to the doors of grace. If you read the processes, the way it, uh, you know, there is a kind of becoming more aware and um, they see that it is possible. Others can get rid of it. So it starts working in a many-pronged way and eventually surrender to God's grace. So this is how these things work. Eventually in some way, at some point, we have to open to the grace. And then grace can uproot it because subconscious cannot be changed. Uh, even the physical consciousness, they are rooted in the cell. So the cell begins to demand, the body begins to demand. So unless... Uh, you know, there is something of a higher intervention. A completely getting rid of habit is uh, almost near impossible thing. I am not talking of simple habits like, you know, uh, 
uh, I don't know, but like even things like eating sweets, you cannot get rid just like with the mental thoughts. So you can cut it down. The mind can assist. You can say, okay, I eat only sweets from this particular shop. I'll cut it down to this extent. But even then, it tends to relapse because uh, it's like gets rooted. That's why in childhood, so much importance of forming the right habits. In India, that's what was called as sanskar. Now we don't have all this because it's all free for all and there is a whole uh, rebel way of life which has its own meaning because uh, whatever, I mean, life has to evolve by breaking free from the past. But the whole idea was to form good habits. Once you form them, then they stay with you. But um, once you get it into the system, very difficult. It's only by the divine grace. The root is subconscious and the physical. Lower vital can support it. But after a while, even when you know, even when you have thrown it out of the lower vital, it stays in the physical. Even out of the physical, when you have realized that it is just something mechanical that you are holding a cigarette, it still remains in the subconscious and throws itself up. First in dreams, then sometimes automatically it controls, takes hold of us and one is pushed. And even if you throw out from the subconscious, then it stays in the circumconscious around. So you see somebody smoking or uh, engaging in a certain activity, it comes back. That's why it's so important to be, uh, you know, lead life consciously. Uh, once you get into a habit, then all the environment supports you. So it's there in the environing consciousness. And if you get exposed to it, it gets triggered again. So that was the idea even in ashram, for example, uh, though it is not a monastery, but it was not like, you know, you're freely mixing with the... Uh, you know, the other types of consciousness because it will come in as a contagion. Mother was very particular about it. So, one has to be very conscious and careful whom one is meeting, interchanges that take place. So, that's their route. Physical and the subconscious and you can say the lower vital. Mind comes in to justify it. But roots are in the subconscious. Once it falls into the subconscious, very difficult. Except by grace. But uh, just to complete it, but our own effort helps to prepare for the grace. Uh, I mean, I can share with my own uh, smoking habit. So I had started smoke like this, that, you know, it's cool. So young medical graduate, MBBS, oh, it's cool to smoke, you know. So 21 year old and you start this and you see people. And then it looked very absurd to me that I have to tell people not to smoke. So the first thing I felt that it's hypocrisy that I am doing. So I started cutting down. How much ever I cut down, went on to rare brands. and My friends would get those brands to, you know, seemingly help me out. And so it was really two, three, two, three. Just uh, Then I almost gave up that I said, well, I mean, maybe I have to just stay on with this. And my first contact with the mother, I didn't even know that she's the mother. I just saw her picture. After decades, first time I bowed down before somebody who represented to me. I don't know, I can't even use the word divine or what. And as I bowed down, I literally heard a voice stop smoking. But thing was that that voice carried a power. And when I walked out of the room, I was a free person. Never after that I had the urge to smoke. But I know the amount of effort, genuinely sincere effort. I would not keep a cigarette at home. Then I would feel like walking all the way. Two kilometers to a shop in Jorhat, where you don't get it easily, to pick up that uh, Wills Royal just to, you know, smoke. So, 
by grace it can go i am i am putting it this experience so that we can understand the positive side of it that everything is possible for the grace but for human consciousness human effort subconscious is a, a almost a very difficult thing in the next class we'll have that little bit yeah yes okay so thank you so much sir for clarifying our doubts and motivating us and uh, uh, telling us how can we uh, not fall into making habits and if we are into certain bad habits how can we easily restrain from those habits and uh, now we have reached the end of today's lecture so we will observe a minute of silence and then we can call it today